This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 121 of Go To Grandma. This episode is airing on Saturday, December the 2nd, 2023. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and today we are going places together. As 2023 comes to an end, Booking.com has released their 2024 travel predictions, along with some fun descriptions of the types of travel we are most interested in, and even who we are when we travel. Get ready to find out about cool-cationers, reboot retreaters, and maybe some surrender seekers. Which one are you, and where are you thinking about traveling to next year? Carolyn Ray spends most of her time traveling as the CEO of Journeywoman.com, a travel site dedicated to older women's solo travel. She recently spent 21 days on an expedition cruise that took her to some unexpected places and unique experiences. She's going to share that with me today, and also tell us why she feels expedition cruises are perfect for solo women. Not sure what an expedition cruise is? Stay tuned to find out. And our Take 5 with RBC interview series continues with a look at a recent poll which busts some myths around making up your will, and not just for us grandparents. Maybe you're getting your coffee or tea to go, and in the meantime, I'm still your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Danny Muse from Booking.com is up first to literally tell us where to go. Daniela Muse is an area manager in Canada where she oversees all Booking.com offices in the country. She believes in the power of travel to connect us with different people, cultures, embrace adventures, and inspire us to go out of our comfort zone. Good morning, Danny. Thanks so much for being back on GoToGrandma. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So Booking.com has again done an extensive round of research and some really great information about Canadian travel in particular. So tell me, why was this research done and what do you think was the most surprising or unique data that's come out of it? Yes, this is actually my favorite campaign that Booking launches every year. So since 2016, we launched this campaign called the Travel Predictions. And it's pretty much our uh, data-fed crystal ball where we understand what the traveler is looking for for the years to come. We interview 20,000 travelers from all around the world, more than 30 countries, and we try to understand, based on their answers to the questionnaires, what are they looking for in the next year. And we find it exciting because it's a way for us to observe what the travel ecosystem is going to look like. And for 2024... The biggest surprise was that the traveler is looking to get out of the autopilot and get in touch with the best version of themselves. We found out that 64% of Canadian travelers feel they are the best, the best version of themselves when they are traveling and they wish they could be the vacation version in their everyday life. Can you imagine that? I found that really funny. I love that that stat, actually, that we think we're much better when we're on vacation. This may not be true when you're traveling with four small children, but, you know, <laughs> for the most part, I think we are our better selves when we travel. And that, that I found really an interesting uh, um, output from your research. It's funny you say that because one of the trends we identify is that there is a, a very large appetite for the traveler to actually relax 
58% of travelers for 2024, they want to travel to sleep. They want to have an interrupted shut eye. And if that means leaving the kids behind, <laughs> leaving their partner behind, they will do it. People want to rest. <laughs> I saw that. And, when, and you've got these interesting sort of traveler profiles that we'll get to a few of in a minute. Um, but based on the research, how do you think travel may look different in 2024? The main thing we observe is that uh, the traveler really wants to emotionally disconnect from the, from the news agenda and uh, all the uncertainties in the world. And traveling is becoming less of escape and more of an essential part of well-being. Travel in 2024 is life. 74% of Canadians say they feel more alive when they are traveling. Another thing we noticed for the next year that will make travel different is there is a desire to use more technology when traveling when it comes to planning their travel. So something like booking AI travel planner in order to match your desires with the perfect vacation and the minimum amount of planning time. And so when we're spending our time on booking.com, which is a great site to find all of these destinations, where are we looking at going, Danny? Well, the main destinations top of mind for, um, for Canadians right now, internationally, Japan, Mexico, and Philippines. And Canadians are still looking for domestic locations as well. They want to continue exploring Canada with uh, Montreal top of mind, Vancouver, Kelowna, and Surrey. So interesting. And I agree, the Canadian travel seems to have picked up quite a bit as well. And I wanted to look at some of these uh, profiles that you put together. And I wanted to start with a cool cationer. What's a cool cationer, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I love that one, too. We learned that uh, being close to water is something important in 2024. Canadians are looking to be close to water and to be in cooler weathers. They want to experience this um, feeling of being refreshed and being close to water has, according to our survey, uh, 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 a support to make people feel better. 75% of travelers say they do feel better when they are closer to water. So they will be looking uh, to be closer to water in 2024. Those are the cool cationers looking to refresh and cool down. And we're looking at things like, you know, the ice therapy movement, the cold water swimming, floating yoga, all of those types of things would fit into that cool cationer thing. That's right. Close to water, in the water. Yes. In the water. And then what we sort of touched on briefly is the ego enthusiast. So these are people that feel better about themselves? Is that right when they're on vacation? Like they have an alter ego when they're on vacation? That's right. They want to bring pieces of themselves that it's not there in the day to day. And they want to create this persona when they are traveling and experience things that in their hometowns they may not do. These are travelers that tend to um, use technology a lot, like avatars, VRs, ARs, in order to experience something really bigger than what they have in the day-to-day. And that's interesting. They might say, for instance, rent a nicer car than they have at home because they're on vacation. They want to experience something great. Yes, the best version comes with some luxuries as well. And then we talk about surrender seekers. What is a surrender seeker? (laughs) The surrender seeker is looking to be surprised. They plan the least amount of things possible for their vacation, and they want to feel that thrill to be walking in the street and suddenly find that amazing shop that they didn't even know it was there. Uh, 
about 56% of Canadian travelers say they will venture off the beaten path in order to be surprised with something nobody knew before. Okay, I have to work on a vacation with a spreadsheet. That would, like, totally stress me out. That would, That's not me, that's for sure. <laughs> and an itinerary, Danny. I need a printed itinerary, okay? <laughs> um, and then we, we talked about, I, I like this one, culinary excavators. So sort of the archaeology of food and, and the different types of food that people want to try, but nothing, not necessarily new foods. Is that right? Well, these are the ones who want to have the must-eat from every location. Mm-hmm. It's not about just going to a restaurant, but what is the specific thing here that only this place will have because of specific spice that only grows here or because of a specific ingredient that is only available in this spot? There is this appetite <laughs> to, nice. uh, from the traveler to um, understand the culture of the local place by eating the local flavors. And, and 74% want to try indigenous cuisines, which is really kind of cool. It is amazing, right? The curiosity, but also the support for the local communities. I find this a, a, a very beautiful part of traveling. And then we have reboot retreaters. So these are the people, as you say, that maybe they want to sleep alone or they want to spark something new. They want to reboot in their life, basically. They want to rest and improve as well. And what we notice is this part of travelers are looking into either heal or grow connections. So we can be healing from a heartbreak or connecting with a new partner or shutting the eyes and leaving everything behind. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Doing a Shirley Valentine, right? Just like I'm going by myself and that's it. That's right. And then we have a la carte influencers and a la carte. They're picking certain things. Is that right? Like not a set menu. The influencers, they are looking into um, some travel hacks in order to save money, but save money to spend more in experiences during the holiday. So it's things such as going to a destination with a lower cost than their hometown, where they can afford luxuries that in the day-to-day they wouldn't be able to. So they are going to uh, go to a day spa in a luxury hotel or go to a very extravagant breakfast. And even 47% of Canadians say they plan to take kids off the school to go on holiday on, in the off season so they can have better um, prices and costs for their vacation. Yeah, makes sense. And then lastly, we have mindful aesthetics, as am I saying that correctly, I hope, which is more that eco-travel sustainable itinerary type of person? That's correct. They want to be walled by the sustainable practices that they see in the accommodations and the destinations. They want to eat local, uh, buy, shop local, and um, they want to see more green in the accommodation. 65% of Canadians say they do have this desire to see more green spaces inside the accommodations they are staying. To add to that, uh, we, we noticed that three in five Canadians want to see um sustainable efforts in the destination that they are going to. And they are not necessarily willing to give up luxury for that. So this is really no. interesting information. If we, if we want more information, of course, we can go to Booking.com. I've been speaking with Danny Muse from Booking.com. And so th- here's what we're looking forward to for travel in 2024. Thank you so much for your time today, Danny. Thank you so much for having me.
Carolyn Ray is the CEO and editor of Journey Woman, the world's first website and resource for women over 50. Founded in 1994, Journey Woman is celebrating its 30th anniversary in 2024 and is trusted by women around the world for its practical, first-hand advice on women's travel. Good morning, Carolyn. Thanks so much for being back on the show today. We are talking about the hot trend of expedition cruising. And who better to talk about it? You just came back from a 21-day expedition cruise. But Carolyn, what is expedition cruising? Yeah. Why is it becoming so popular? I actually think, you know, and I'm not a cruiser, Kathy, so it, it was kind of a new experience for me to go on an expedition ship. But it's quite different from cruising, which I think is, you know, we have this perception of big cruise ships and, and thousands of people. And an expedition cruise is, is very different. It's a, usually a smaller ship. Uh, a lot of the new ships now are brand new, so they're very sustainable. They're using uh, battery power, and they have all the latest technology to be very energy efficient. So it's it's quite a different experience. I would say more uh, personalized and more intimate. So what makes it the expedition part of it? What does that mean? These are polar-class expedition ships, which means they can crush through ice. They go all over the world, uh, up north, down south, and usually they travel on a circuit. So it's not just going from point A to point B and back and forth. They are traveling around the world. And they have lectures and citizen science and researchers and scientists. So it's it's an opportunity to really learn about Uh, wildlife and the ocean and the environment when you travel. So when we think about a cruise, as you mentioned off the top, we might think about sort of luxurious cabins, you know, and fine dining and stuff. What do we expect on an expedition cruise? Is it the same or is it quite different? I think it depends a little bit on the cruise line that you would want to go with. I went with one called Swan Hellenic, which is uh, a 70-year-old brand that's just uh, relaunched itself in this um, in this category of expedition cruising, and their ships are uh, brand new. So the ship that I was on was called the SH Diana, and it just launched in April of this year. And they have uh, two restaurants on board. They had 24-hour room service. You know, the waiters are wearing and the waitstaff are wearing tuxedos. Like it's a little more upscale and luxurious. Other ships. Um, have not so much, you know, of the luxury. So there can be kind of a scale of, you know, kind of roughing it a little bit to more luxurious experiences, depending on what cruise line you go with. So those are the kind of questions we would ask before we book something like this. Is it, um, is, are, were there families on board? Is that sort of a family experience that might be fun as well? Is it mostly for older travelers? The boat that I was on uh, was not families. It was more couples, solo women, um, you know, people of all ages, really. It's, it's um, you know, even though you're going out on Zodiacs or you might be, in our case, we went to islands, uh, it is a little more adventurous, so... Um, so it's a slightly different experience, I think, depending on, on what you're doing. I know some of the other ships, for example, Aurora Expeditions or or um, some of the other ships going in the Arctic of Canada uh, might be more family-oriented. You've said it's a kind of a great trip for solo women, which it certainly sounds like that. So tell us about your solo women trip that you just had. It was 21 days, but it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, so I started in Cyprus and was going down through the Suez Canal to the Red Sea. So we had stops in Egypt and Cairo and Giza, uh, Luxor, Petra, and Jordan. 
And then the cruise was supposed to end, my cruise was supposed to end in Saudi Arabia in Petra. I'm sorry, in Jeddah. And uh, because the war had just started at the same time that I was on the ship, uh, and I was supposed to fly back through Tel Aviv, the ship offered to keep me on for another 10 days uh, when it went down through the Red Sea into the Indian Ocean and ended at the Seychelles. So I ended up spending 21 days on this particular ship, which was an incredible experience. And the other thing that made it incredible was that part of the trip after Saudi Arabia was a repositioning cruise. So there were only 20 or 30 people on the entire boat uh, from, from a passenger perspective, and I was one of them. And we were going to places that had never been visited by, um, by ships at all. So that was very exciting. That's really cool. For people who don't know, explain what's a repositioning cruise. So it's kind of that, you know, these ships that travel around the world, it, they have itineraries that start in certain places and end in certain places. So this was kind of a, a period of time where they had to get from one place to the next in order to uh, start a new itinerary. Because I know you can actually book those too, right? You can actually to go on to a uh, repositioning cruise. I'm not sure to tell you the truth. There weren't any, uh, there weren't any like other passengers. They were all invited guests. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And so what was the best part of this expedition cruise, uh, Carolyn? It sounds fascinating. Well, when you arrive, you get a dry pack, you get a pair of binoculars, you get, uh, you know, a stainless steel water bottle. Um, the rooms are beautiful. And I loved that I could have my sliding glass door open and look out at the ocean every single morning. To me, that was just amazing. That sounds great. And then not having to move around and unpack and repack. Uh, that's just that's an amazing, you know, that's lovely for somebody who travels as much as I do. That's really nice, too. Yeah, it must have been a luxury to be in one room for 21 it days. Was, <laughs> it was. And, and, you know, these ships, the new ones, they've thought of everything. Like from a design perspective, there's there's desks and there's, uh, you know, all the right electrical plugs. They're recycling their water. You know, they're not anchoring uh, and, and potentially doing harm to coral reefs and that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of things they've thought of in terms of the experience to make it special. And, you know, we saw whales and dolphins, and, and that's just, you know, not even in an area. You know, we weren't in the Arctic or the Antarctic. We were, we were just going through the Red Sea, and you'd see all this wildlife soaring by you. It was just amazing. So I'm talking to Carolyn Ray, who's the CEO of Journeywind.com. What was the name of that cruise line again, Carolyn, for people who were saying, I need to do that? <laughs> sure. Well, it's Swan Hellenic. Okay. And they're actually one of our founding partners in our women's travel directory for small ships. And we offer very special discounts to women traveling on their own uh, who sign up for our emails so they can travel at a much lower cost than what's publicly available. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so anyone listening who wants to do that, of course, go to journeywoman.com. Thanks so much for this, Carolyn. And if we want to see more adventures, of course, that's found on the site as well. And we can sign up for the newsletter, as you just said. Thanks again for this. Thank you, Kathy. Leanne Kaufman is President and CEO of the Royal Trust Corporation of Canada and the Royal Trust Company. She is responsible for the strategy and overall management of RBC Royal Trust, which provides wealth protection and transfer solutions across generations to high net wealth Canadian families. A lawyer by profession, Leanne is the author of the fourth edition of the Executor's Handbook, a contributor to various publications on the topic of estates and trusts, and the host of RBC Wealth Management's Matters Beyond Wealth podcast.
Good morning, Leanne. Thanks so much for coming back on for our Take 5 with RBC interview this morning on GoToGrandma. Well, thanks for having me again, Kathy. It's great to be here. So today we're going to talk about wills. And of course, as a parent and a grandparent, pretty much have that those things in order, and a lot of us do. But it's really important for the younger generation to think about this as well. So recently, RBC Royal Trust conducted an Ipsos survey to see if more people were motivated than before the pandemic to get their affairs in order in 2022. Were there any surprising results? Well, there were a couple of things that weren't really surprising, and then one thing that that did surprise me. So first of all, we found that people weren't really any more motivated <laughs> to actually get to the end and, and complete a will uh, post-pandemic or during the pandemic, even though I think more people were interested in talking about it or thinking about it. So we still have around 50% of Canadians um, not having a will. Uh, I think when we're talking about the younger cohort, again, perhaps not surprising, about 70% of them, so that, that was the people between the ages of 18 and 34 we surveyed, did not have a will. But here's the part I found really surprising. Those aged 35 to 55, there were still 66% of those that didn't have a will yet. And uh, so that's much higher than I would have expected for that age group. Yeah, it is, especially when you consider they, they might have families and that sort of thing. So when a younger person is focusing on creating their, what are they looking at? A couple of things came out of our survey. First of all, they're interested in dealing with their digital assets, which maybe, again, shouldn't surprise us. Uh, they're more likely to talk about what they want to have done with their digital assets and probably to have taken the necessary steps to deal with those digital assets on the various platforms where they have them. So, you know, that's something that we need to continue to educate ourselves on because it's, it is something that continues to evolve, but also really grow in all of our lives, the digital footprint we're leaving behind. So it's, it's something that the, the young people have a, a better handle on. And then the other thing that was interesting to us was that this concept of purpose and, and charitable giving and wanting to leave a legacy. It seemed to be more top of mind for the younger Canadians when they were preparing their estates over half of them, actually, 53% of the 18 to 34-year-olds said that they had incorporated charitable giving into their estate plans. When we went to the age group over 55, that number dropped to 13%. So a real demonstrated um, interest in charity and philanthropy in the younger cohort. Isn't that great? <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful statistic. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. So what's one thing you would like our listeners to take away f- from the conversation today? And you touch on digital assets, and I think that's really important for people f- our age to consider as well in terms of our online presence and how we manage that. So what else would you like our listeners to, to focus on after today's conversation? Yeah, that's a great point. Educate yourself on the digital assets and figure out what needs to be done because it isn't as clear-cut as Mm -hmm. we might think. But other than that, I mean, I think the really simple message here is simply get a will. Um, (laughs) You know, we we heard that uh, 21% of those we surveyed thought that either they were too young to get a will or they didn't have enough assets. And I think both of those are myths. You're never too young to create a will as long as, you know, you meet the age of majority kind of uh, requirements. And then if you have any assets at all that you care about, you know, where they go when you're no longer here, you can only do that through a will. So basically my message is, yeah, everybody needs a will. And this surprised me. In all provinces except British Columbia and Newfoundland and Labrador, you can make a will of your age of majority. In BC, you need to be 16 and Newfoundland, the age of 17. Those are young ages. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that you marry up those ideals around wanting to be charitable. You can't do that if you don't have a will, right? If you if you pass away without a will, there's no way for you to um, to give a gift to charity through your estate. 
And so, you know, these are things that only can only be accomplished if you've got the right paperwork in place. Absolutely. So important. And if we need more information on this, we can go to rbc.com slash royal trust, or we can follow actually on social media. We can also go to RBC Wealth on Twitter and RBC Wealth Management on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks so much for your time again today, Leanne. My pleasure. Nice speaking with you. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only one page, St. Augustine. I knew there had to be a correlation between books and travel. Two of my great loves after, of course, my kids and my grandkids. I can't wait to travel with them in 2024, as well as by myself after getting some great travel tips from Carolyn and Danny, of course. Next week on Go-To Grandma, we look both ways. No, I'm not talking about before we cross the street, which we should always do, especially when holding our grandkids' hands, but as we look back to the Beatles and the way that their fashion contributed to their future and enduring success. Author Deirdre Kelly tells me about her new book, Fashioning the Beatles, and how much their clothes and hair contributed to their worldwide recognition. Then we peer into the future when the host of Quirks and Quirks and author Jay Ingram tells me about his new book, The Future of Us, the science of what we'll eat, where we'll live, and who we'll be. I can't wait to find out. Our Take 5 with RBC interview this week focuses on what probate is and why people try so hard to avoid it. Thanks for dropping in today. Please don't forget that all 121 episodes of Go To Grandma are available on the podcast and you can listen to them anytime. In fact, and in fun, I wish you would. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.